You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Mats Foselius, CEO at Dixa. Be careful in the beginning uh, of, uh, of, of, of shouting out too loud that you're a platform before or you, you, you really are, even though that's the vision. You can tell that to the investors. Welcome to the ninth episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. And uh, how are you today, Daniel? I'm very good, thank you. I put uh, COVID behind me, so I feel like a newborn again. Thank you for asking. How's everything with you, Thomas? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. And I'm really excited about this episode. It was truly inspiring uh, to hear Mats at Dixa that we will talk to today. Danish company working with uh, customer service in a customer friendly way with new technology and they are turning the industry upside down. Definitely, I think it's always exciting when you meet people that have the courage and the willingness to go out and disrupt the, the established industry is always exciting to listen to. Yeah, and he shares a lot about their history, about their strategy going forward. And I hope you will like the episode. And another thing is that we actually did a poll uh, about the um, the Danish companies that we would bring on the show. So, uh, And there was a lot of engagement. It, it was hundreds of votes. And the Dixa actually came on top. So they were the winner of the company that most people wanted to see on the show. So let's listen to Mats from Dixa. Today we want to welcome Mats Foselius, the CEO and co-founder of Dixa to the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome Mats. Thank you, Thomas. And thank you, Daniel. Really a pleasure to be on the show here. Looking forward to it. Welcome. Really exciting to have you here. And you're, you're our second guest out for the season here. Did you have a good holiday break? Oh, yes, please. It was uh, much needed, but I uh, had a really good break with, with the family. Um, so nice to get some downtime, uh, at least some, uh, before uh, you know going into a very exciting uh, 21. So thank you. And we did a poll before Christmas uh, where we wanted to find Danish SaaS companies. And uh, Dixa came out on top. So it was the most requested Danish SaaS company. So uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. We're really proud. And uh, thank you also, uh, Daniel Thomas, for, for pulling this off. It was a really fun, um, fun competition. And of course, I'm very happy that we, that we won. Even though there was, it was a close race with, uh, with some really uh, cool companies that we were up against. Absolutely. It went, went a little bit uh, back and forth and it was a lot of engagement. And I also know that uh, a lot of Dixa people were pulling there. Yeah, uh, probably a few, probably a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we're going to go into a little bit what you are doing and uh, you might have had an advantage since you are working with uh, you know, communication and uh, have good tools for, uh, for bringing engagement. So but uh, super happy to, to get you on the show here. And maybe you could just start uh, by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your career. Yes, definitely. So again, Master Serious, co-founder and CEO of Dixa, uh, which is the next generation customer service platform for brands um, that want to transform their customer experience and agent experience in a true omnichannel way. Um, so personally, I've been working in the customer service and tech industry 
space for over 20 years actually it's even it's, it's almost hard to say <laughs> it's a long time okay. <laughs> um and um i actually started back when i was uh, just 19 20 uh, as a call center agent so been mm-hmm. on the floor done my uh, my 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 tough times uh, in the call center industry and shortly after became a customer service team manager um before moving into into tech and starting my first company um when i was 20 uh, 23 so uh, Dixa is my fourth company, um, uh, but honestly, the first true born global SaaS company. Other companies have been very centered around the Nordics um, and also with the subsidiary in, in France, uh, all centered around customer engagement um, and, uh, and communication. So, um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. That's really exciting. You could, truly, you, you have a passion for uh, uh, customer service, if I may say. Uh, doing this for for uh, for twenty years. So, could you specifically tell us what problem does Dixa solve for the customers? Yes, definitely. So um, maybe take you a little bit into why we founded Dixa because that that is actually where you will find what we are doing and what we are, we are we are we are disrupting. So Dixa was founded in two thousand fifteen by by four friends who all shared a personal as well as professional frustrations around bad customer service experiences, but also terrible customer service software solutions because we've been working with them for, as said, at that time, 15 years. Um, And we honestly believe that there had to be a better way um, to do it so much better. So in the previous company we worked in that was acquired by huge telco uh, TDC, we experienced uh, the huge pain that the majority of brands are going through in their attempt to deliver stellar omni-channel customer service because they really want to do that. It's part of many of these brands' DNA or it's part of their digital transformation if they are you know, uh, more mature companies. But they struggled then and they struggle even more today because of the ever-increasing um, new channels coming aboard within messaging, for instance, but also with the existing more traditional channels as telephony, chat, email, and, you know, and, and tasks for that matter. There's more and more touch points, and there's more and more data surrounding them and their customers. Right. So right. today, eight out of 10 brands and companies, they are living in silos, not only for their customer service systems, but they have one system for, for phone, one for email, one for live chat, and a whole another one for, for messaging. But also on their data sources, they are also disconnected um, and living in, in silos, uh, fragmented, basically. Even their teams are sometimes working with different channels and and different uh, data uh, and customer groups. So in 2020, but also back in 2018, where we launched our our product, um, the need to retain and delight customers have never been bigger. Right. And customers have never been more difficult and consumers uh, because they are shifting brands uh, just after one bad customer service experience, not a product experience. So if you want to retain delight, keep your customers in a sustainable way. We are solving the challenge around having everything in one platform, being efficient and effective, but at the same time, we are reaching the highest goal of customer loyalty and advocacy, which we call customer friendships. Because we have made a platform where all data, all employees that works customer-faced, basically, they are actually able to detect whether a customer is angry, happy, should go to the VIP team, should be automated, 
um, should be treated differently in the situation because of an urgency. Um, all these things are automation, automated into the Dixa platform. So it will find the right employee at the right time. It will automate at the right time. And it will do the same in this conversational way that is very different from ticketing or phone calls or live chats. Everything is conversational as we know it from our WhatsApp or our SMS. And that goes both for the consumer and for the customer service agent that needs to be empowered to handle every situation. So that's basically what Dixa is doing. It's a customer friendship platform um, in a next generation uh, customer service software. So if I'm a customer, uh, an, uh, an end customer, how is my experience different from traditional systems? Yeah, so there's two sides of it. It's a very good question. So first of all, we have two uh, main stakeholders. And when we started to build out this platform, we built it actually out with some of the leading e-commerce companies in the Nordics. Um, and we built it from scratch because I'll get back to that probably, but that's the, that was the the, um, the conclusion we had. We, we actually tried to build all these different systems together. But what we experienced was that many, many consumers, when they had a problem, it was a very different experience and often a very bad different experience when they reached out on email, live chat, phone, if the phone were, were, were available or, um, and there was not a long, long queue, for instance. So the whole the disconnected experience and the big, big challenge that everybody has experienced by calling a telco or a travel agency uh, uh, or a media company, where you have to repeat yourself, where, where you're constantly being transferred between different teams and employees, and your story and problem has to be repeated every time you hit a new employee. This is what we have completely removed. So that, that's that's just one good example why true omnichannel customer service is really needed in order to not, you know, um, yeah, let your customers churn because they have bad experiences. On the other hand, which is most important, where almost no customer service solutions today or vendors have been focusing on the agents, so the employees sitting every day, seven, eight hours, working with uh, both happy, but also with frustrated customers. So what Dixit does actually is in every, regardless whether it's a phone call, email, chat, messaging, whatever, is the same experience and the same empowerment of the agent. So the agent have all the knowledge about the, uh, the, the past conversation across all channels because it's handled in Dixit. They have all the information around um, data coming from other systems. They can see CSAT, NPS ratings. They can even look at uh, the sentiment of, of, uh, of, the, of the past conversations and the current. Um, and they can see the way they've come into the, to, to, to the customer service uh, company. So integrations in like a platform play, we have integrations to all the different SaaS system, systems out there, whether it's a Salesforce CRM or it's a Magento or Shopify e-commerce platform. Um, every, every piece of the um, system landscape and data landscape that customers are using, we are in, embracing into the Dixa platform. So we are empowering both the agent to, to do his job, but also the get it, giving the consumer the same good experience across any channel and at any time. And that is very different from, from the competition that, that builds a point solution for specific channels and specific challenges. And today that is not enough to uh, far from to, um, to actually have these amazing brands deliver a stellar service and retain their customers and, and, and in the end, survive as a, as a business, right?
Yeah, that's really interesting. And we're going to come back to this a little bit later, uh, how you want to, to replace the world of point solutions to have one system that replaces it all, if I may say. Uh, I was just a little bit curious, who is your ideal customer? Like you mentioned that you started off approaching e-commerce companies. Is that who, who predominantly is, is the good customer for Dixa or is there a bigger span? Yeah, very good question. Um, so you're, you're spot on. We, we started out in, in 2018 focusing very much on, on e-commerce and retail. So also the retailers that, that were transforming in, in, into becoming also a, a e-tailer. Um, but since then, since uh, I would say beginning of 19, 2019, we have moved into a lot of other verticals, including uh, gaming. Um, we also have um, fintech companies today. Um, but we are looking actually at, at consumer tech um, from a more broader perspective today. So we have what we call a need-based need segmentation model. So we're actually focusing on the needs and pains that are very similar in a fintech, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer, or even gaming brand. Because all of them are actually consumer brands that deliver um, a certain product or, or service. And all of them needs to be, to be stellar in their customer experience and customer service to actually um, beat the competition. So besides the product from, from a consumer tech and e-commerce, uh, the customer service and customer experience is what differentiates them most today. Um, as the Salesforce CEO always said, uh, everybody can, uh, can copy a concept or even a piece of software, but you can never co copy the customer experience um, and therefore also the customer service. So today we are uh, active in around 12 verticals or industries, um, primarily in Europe and US. Um, still, we, have, um, we are predominantly uh, in e-commerce, um, in e retail, e-tail, and direct-to-consumer brands, which are all centered around being an e-commerce company, basically. Uh, right. But it, but there's a lot of things going on in the in, in, in the other verticals, right? right also right. including de delivery, um, you know, food delivery, e-groceries um, is really um, growing fast for us these days. So you have customers in a lot of different vertical sectors. So how many customers do you guys have today? About today we have over 300 customers in 12 verticals. Okay. Um, and of course, some uh, verticals stronger than than others, and uh, where some of them are. Uh, our new entries where we are where we're going in and investing through integrations um but also of course with uh, with our go-to-market model yeah and in what geos do you have customers today so we we have customers in, in over 40 countries but our focus markets are uh, in europe and if you go a little bit more specific there we are doubling down of course on nordics is our home market uk benelux and duck that's our, definitely our main market in europe and then, of course, uh, we have uh, we have uh, US, UK, and US together uh, are, are over fifty percent of our revenues today. Okay, really exciting. So I was also a little bit curious. Can you share some ARR numbers, some growth numbers with us? Maybe how much money you guys have raised throughout the years here? Yeah, sure. Um, as much as I'm allowed to, uh, definitely. <laughs> so, so we are we are in the range between um, ten and fifteen million ARR uh, today. Euro. Uh, dollars, dollars, so yep. a little bit less in euros. Um, so we launched back in um, in January 18, where we um, where we actually closed a seed round. So we the first uh, funding round we we received from Seed Capital, which is a early uh, stage VC in in, in Denmark, and uh, Preben Damgaard, who's an ex um, 
Microsoft, so he sold Navision to Microsoft in a huge deal. Um, so that was a really nice seed round that could kick us off uh, globally, so to speak. Um, but very, very soon after, we, we saw tremendous growth. So we actually 6xed um, our revenues in 2018. Wow. Yeah, that was a crazy year. Also because the combination of being very strong in, in, uh, in Denmark and, and also getting into Sweden quite quickly, um, and the combination where we have a lot of inbound coming from all over the world. Uh, I think I remember our first um, sign-up, which are where it was in January um, uh, 18, actually, um, from at least outside Europe, was from South Africa, I think. And then the next one was from New Zealand. And I remember that was really when I felt, and I told the guys, uh, we are now a true SaaS company. We are a global platform. This is amazing. Um, and uh, and I actually think there's still customers with us today. So, um, so yeah, that we had a lot of um, of, uh, of tailwind um, uh, that year, and it ended up us getting a um, a really uh, significant for us at that point, Series A. Just after nine months, we got uh, we got term sheets, and 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 we started then a formal round and process, and had a, had a lot of the great uh, VCs in Europe. We we chose. Um, Project A Ventures uh, out of Berlin, and we are very proud uh, of, of the partnership with them. They've been helping us tremendously, uh, both from a strategic, but definitely also from operational side. So they are the operational VC. Um, things has, have gone really fast for us, so we needed we needed help in different areas and on go to market and uh, marketing and, and many other and data. Um, so that was a big help. So that was a Series A of uh, fourteen million dollars, one four. Okay. Um, which was announced in uh, in January, February um, 19. And then um, from there on, it also went very fast, I would say. Uh, 2019 was also a, a amazing year. We went from, from being 50 employees to quickly uh, over 100. We, um, we, we 4X'd uh, the, the revenues um, in, in 2019. And the same thing happened, which was a little bit weird. Uh, just around um, September time, uh, October, we received a lot of interest from, from VCs, not only in Europe, but also in the US. Uh, and we then thought about, why not take an A-plus round? Uh, you know, <laughs> the market landscape out there uh, or the funding landscape was, uh, was quite amazing. We saw some big rounds happening. Um, and that started actually a, a formal Series B round. Um, so okay. under a year after our A round, we raised uh, $36 million from uh, Notion Capital as lead, of course, with great participation from Seed and Seed Capital and from, from Project A. So that was, um, that was an amazing round um, and, and a very quick process, actually. Uh, so uh, based on that, we were a step further of you know, conquering Europe with a very strong SaaS investor. Uh, SaaS only, so Notion has over 100 um, companies like TradeShift and OnBabel and Paddle and Muse, etc. Um, and um, yeah, so that was that was a big important step for us to to have a, a VC that also has strong bonds to the US. Um, so right. all, half of, half of their companies are successful in the US or headquartered in the US almost today. So yeah, so that was um, that was um, a quick. Uh, a sum up uh, a recap of uh, of our of our growth journey and also the funding story, which is yeah pretty aligned in our case at least. Yeah, it's it's really impressive story. And if I'm not mistaken, the last round you you guys just closed just pre COVID, right? Yeah, that was uh, that's a, in hindsight definitely um, a, um, a a good timing uh, and lucky timing uh, because nobody knew about uh, COVID, of course. So um, yeah, that was a 
that was important for us, which meant that we could actually uh, double down on product and go to market. Um, but we did wait uh, with with the doubling down on the go to market until we saw, you know, what the world looked like. Um, but doubling down on product and customer success uh, was very important to do in um, in, in 2020. Um, at still, I would say, which we we just uh, finalized our, our 2020, and um, and we more than doubled our revenues. Uh, it's not the same as six uh, x and four x, I know. But it was, of course, for for us and for many of our verticals as well, a challenge year. So more than doubling, um, uh, actually two point five x was a really strong achievement by by, by the team, uh, because other companies, especially e-commerce companies, gaming companies, have been thriving um, through COVID. Right. And some, uh, of course, in, in in other verticals, has been struggling. So we've been able to help both, so to speak, um, and. And balancing out um, also uh, our investment and, and our growth, uh, so we are we're really satisfied around that, and we know it's been a tough year for for many. That's really cool development. And are you able to also share with us what an average deal size is for your customers? Yes. So um, it's no secret that we we've, we've started out like many SaaS companies uh, going into um, to the SMB, um, so the e-commerce uh, SMB. And um, obviously, the last one and a half years, moving more and more into a mid-market. So today, we are uh, a higher SMB and mid-market player. At some point, going into enterprise. So our average deal size today is um, is sixty thousand uh, dollars ACV, and we are moving very fast towards uh, the hundred mark. Um, and that's of course because we're getting more and more uh, larger customers. Uh, some would call them enterprise. We call them mid-market. And we um, we determine uh, how our customer is a whether a customer is a SMB or mid market enterprise by the number of agents today. That could probably be more sophisticated in the future, but for us, um, between thirty and five hundred customer service agents is a mid market um, uh, okay. brand or a deal. For instance, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you for sharing those numbers. Uh, we have already mentioned before here that you are doing a platform play. You want to own the ecosystem. And is this something that you planned from the beginning? Can you tell us a little bit about that approach, why, why you need to do that or why you want to do that? Yes. So um, I think we, we need to link it a little bit back to the whole founding idea. So again, back in the previous company, we tried to, to solve the problem by, by integrating and unifying many different siloed customer support systems for tickets, emails, telephony, live chat, and much more. And we did okay. <laughs> it was acquired and it was a success and we were all happy. But honestly, we never solved the pain and problem for real. Uh, and it's just become bigger and bigger. So we early on, very early on, we realized uh, with um, me and uh, and our CTO and our two amazing uh, co-founders that also were engineers, that we had to start completely from scratch to build something amazing for, for the world's customer-friendly brands. And we had to build a platform, not a solution. Um, and yeah, that, that sounds uh, ambitious um, and, 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 and also maybe a little bit unrealistic if you look at the big platforms today, especially coming out of Nordics, it can be a, um, <laughs> a, 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 scary, a scary thought to, uh, to, to go up against uh, the big guys. But we knew we had to um, almost uh, own the channels and the data and the both the agent and customer experience. And the only way we could do that 
was to create a, a channel neutral core, first of all, that could you know eventually take any uh, channel on board, whether it was Discord or even Fortnite or whatever uh, it, the future will bring, but also having a unified a data core where you can use um, the data in Dixa, but also data in the surroundings uh, of, uh, of the platform and the brand's ecosystem. Again, back to the idea that we were born uh, as an API platform, we were born as a data platform, but being this intelligent uh, customer engagement um, tool, uh, basically. So that, was, that took a long time. It was very difficult. And to be honest, uh, many times we ran out of money, the classic story, uh, maximizing the credit cards, uh, not being able to pay salary, thinking that the project was probably too big. And unfortunately, we were also um, confirmed in that belief by many uh, VCs that <laughs> definitely did not believe that the world needed a new customer service solution, as they call it, because they compared us to Sendesk and TalkDesk and Aircall and you know, Intercom and, and what have you. So the, our, our luck, and maybe also it was a, it's a very good idea, was in order to quickly get into an e-commerce brand, for instance, we built very early on integrations to you know, Magento and Shopify and you know, the CSAT solutions and whatever they had, also legacy things. So we very early on were, were lucky and good to build what we call a custom card solution. So we could take any legacy system, bring data into the customer service experience. And, it, and that actually started the platform play, looking at, okay, we need to live um, with a number uh, of, uh, of other tools, of course. We need to very early on believe that we could be also a customer data platform one day. You know, the gold is in the data, and not only for us, but also from for our, our, our brands, our customers. And that was actually uh, that joint uh, approach, the fund, f- founding, uh, funding, uh, founding idea with uh, the, the, the only way to get into to the brands early on was to say, okay, we have a nice, you know, platform with telephony and live chat, and we can actually bring your data to life immediately without crazy integrations and, and, and projects. And that actually started it. Yeah, because I guess you have to be very cautious in the beginning on what you should build yourself, what you should leave to others, uh, and what's already on the market, perhaps. So could you tell us a little bit about your decisions there in, in the early stage? Yes. Um, that, that Again, building a platform from scratch um, is a, a very difficult thing to do. Uh, and it, you will need funding very early on because there, there will be at least a year, maybe in our case, a little bit more before you had your own, your first uh, pilot uh, or beta customers on board. So what we start to focus on, where was the pain actually biggest? And fun enough, it was on the oldest channel on earth, which is telephony call center. So we found out that um, all the vendors out there almost, even the old ones, legacy ones, they did a pretty bad job. Some of the old ones could not get the data uh, into into play. Uh, and the new guys um, doing very well in ticketing or live chat, uh, either they didn't even do it or they did it very badly. So we, we, we our MVP was focused around telephony, which is again, also the most difficult thing you can you can do um, next to video, I think. Uh, so that was, the, the, we, we came, we were luckily, we came as a combination of, of, um, of rock stars from the Nordic telco scene, a call center scene, and from the Nordic SaaS ecosystem. So we could actually bridge that gap pretty quickly. Um, and that is the reason why we got into these um, these e-commerce brands, because we fixed an immediate pain, and then we build out from there. Then we added chat, then we added email, 
then we you know added uh, messaging channels such as WhatsApp and Facebook and more sophisticated workflows, more and more integrations, more and more data. Uh, so that was a wise decision if you look at it back then, but uh, now and look back, back then it was the only way to be honest we could get in um, because we were we don't didn't have the other channels uh, and the sophistication of the point solution were were, were pretty uh, pretty high uh, at that point. I'm also curious to what extent did professional services play a role? You mentioned here a little bit that you went in and looked at what they had, whether it was a standard e-commerce solution like Magento or it was some legacy system. It's not that easy to build integrations into legacy systems. So did you throw in your old engineers to build something custom for that particular customer to land the first deals? No, actually not. That, that was the where um, so the, the, the founding tech team and our CTO, very smart move was to say, we're never going to do that. That will be our death. So we built what we call a custom card um, and today it's much more sophisticated. We can also do it in workflows in real time and, you know, lots of web services, lots, lots of APIs. But back then we, uh, we only required then a web service that either they could build or we could get someone to build it. But we never went in at that point. Today we have professional services. That's another story. But back then we only focused on doubling down on our API, uh, on our web hooks and our way to actually present data in a nice way within uh, the Dixa platform. So to set kind of the the, 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 the data on, on, on fire. Uh, so we only cried, we have, you know, customers uh, working with Dixa today on very old systems, but we bring data in via a very simple web service. And then uh, it's handled very nicely um, in uh, within uh, the agent experience and customer experience. So then you could focus on, you know, strengthening your core platform instead of, you know, putting a lot of resources in, into very specific integrations that you couldn't scale in the same way, I guess. Yes. So, so totally correct. Um, it's still a great mixture today because, of course, there are more and more established um, great platforms with great APIs out there. And again, CRM, e-commerce, data, you know, in, in, in within data, you have a lot, you have segment, you have funnel, you have a lot of great, uh, great players that are maybe the new uh, um, ecosystem that we need to be very aligned with, for instance. Um, but I would say um, today it's probably 60-40 when we go out, that 60% is more established. So our you know classic standard integrations we can use and leverage, and 40% still actually is some form of, of legacy or, or not having a, a, you know, a public uh, available uh, API. And how did you get other companies start developing for your platform or solutions that hooked into your ecosystem that you're building? Yeah, that's a difficult part because uh, this is a thing we all want to to do when we build a platform. Um, and in the, in the beginning, and actually in in more than one and a half years uh, of our journey, we had to do it ourselves. We have to do it very customer driven, customer centric. We had to do um, a lot of the integration, especially to the big guys, right? So Salesforce, CRM, Shopify, and, and Magento, and HubSpot, and so on. So uh, forth. they are not going to put their developers into building something for you. No, not yet, <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, they will, of course, um, when we are the biggest platform, though. Uh, I totally agree, totally agree. So you need to 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 go with uh, around this um, being very humble, um, and um, and of course follow your 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 verticals or your 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 customers. But it, it, if you do it right and you continue also to, uh, 
to uh, to brand yourself and uh, and bring others in. So you are you are definitely um, pulling uh, and pushing uh, at the same time in the beginning. Then that ecosystem will will, uh, will respect you and start to see that these guys they really want to change the world. They want to be a platform. They are have no problems in in taking us on or you know through a customer recommendation. Um, and that's what happened for us. I'd say a year ago, also because we. We, we invested in it, uh, both from a technology and product perspective in APIs and webhooks and all these things, but also we had uh, a VP partners joining us, you know, helping these um, partnerships um, being successful. And today it's a really, really cool situation that we have a lot of the new kids on the block, uh, also mm. t- traditional, that actually develop um, against our platform, driven by their customers, um, driven by their um, ecosystem. So th- this network effect is definitely starting. Um, this is within, you know, uh, data. It's within knowledge. It's within aging uh, experience. Uh, it's within dashboards. You know, it's the whole uh, whole whole, uh, whole nine yards. Uh, and I I really like to see it. I'm really proud of that because it it shows that it took us over two years to get to that point, but it's been uh, worth everything because now we. We see the reason why we win out there, the reason why we can we can deliver much more efficiency and value than our competitors is also because, or mostly because maybe uh, of the of, of the platform being centered in an, in a very, very uh, disruptive um, and innovating ecosystem. SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. In the last episode, we talked to Tempo.io, an Icelandic company that thrives in the Atlassian, Atlassian ecosystem. And, and they told us that it's important when you choose ecosystem that you choose one that you see that there is a gap in the functionality that you can fill. It's good to be early on, you know, bet on a horse that is, uh, you know, winning the, the race. And also that there is a good support system in place that can help you to be prosperous. And uh, I guess Dix is a pretty good horse right now. <laughs> Very well said, Thomas. I I, I totally agree, and um, and that's 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 spot on. Uh, what we what we see with with our partners um, in the ecosystem, and also to be honest, it's also a journey for us. Right, um, we need to uh, quickly, you know, get into a real ecosystem model, have a true uh, channel and partner set up, um, documentation, help, etc. I think what what's maybe different from us is that we we are very true to our core, where we need to manage the channels, so to speak. It's not saying that we need to build everything from scratch, but the channels, um, the the routing and the automation, um, and the data connected to to all this, uh, the workflows, etc. Those three pillars are our core. So taking on a telephony partner, for instance, uh, could be a telco um, or intercom, for that matter. Is probably fine one day because we don't need to, you know, own all end to end. But if it hurts the customer experience or agent experience, um, or it it adds unnecessary com- uh, uh, complexity, we will not um, 
we will not integrate on 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 that on that call because that's also our IP. This is where we're very very strong. But surrounding that, you're right. We need to make sure that everything is um, is supported. Uh, that it the Dixa plus something is is uh, one plus one is three and all that. Otherwise, it doesn't does make sense. But for us, you're right. Uh, we are at the very first year or through our very first year as a partner platform. And um, and yeah, there is a, a lot of opportunity, a lot of low hanging fruit for for all the uh, the integration partners that wants to to go on the on, on this fast journey. Um, and we have the benefit of not being too established and uh, and and have too many like a marketplace with thousands of integration. We don't have that yet. We're not at Lassian yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, will be one day. So it's a great question, and it's it is a, is a balance having a direct model. And having an ecosystem on the side, but it's still easier than having, you know, a reseller uh, approach, which uh, uh, we also would love to have one day, um, and we do have some, but it's uh, it's another ball game, right? Right, and I'm, a little, I'm I'm personally curious about this because I work for a company where uh, we sell solutions into an established ecosystem, but we also have our own ecosystem around our own core solution. And we've been at it for a few years and it's tough and it's hard. It's a tough journey to get other vendors to build into to our solution. For us, there was a particular tipping point uh, when we saw the masses realizing the value building on top of our solutions. I was a little bit curious looking back at the last few years for Dixa here. Could you point at that was the tipping point for us when the community felt now is the time to build into Dixa? Yeah, I would say um, the, the, the tipping point was was both go to market and and product related uh, slash uh, so go to market from from specific customers in both Europe and US. So we actually saw that companies within D two C direct to consumer brands, within gaming, uh, within e grocery, uh, and, and 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 these very fast moving verticals. Not saying that e commerce is not fast moving, definitely, but these brands are you know. Um, very tech savvy, very engineering heavy, uh, many of them heavily fu- uh, funded, and that was actually the tipping point when 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 they chose us and needed the full stack, uh, basically replacing some, but also getting into a new area of, of looking into, for instance, employee satisfaction and aging experience and, and and happiness, which is a new thing. Taking uh, all their old and new data. And um, setting it almost on fire through through a what we call a KCS a solution um, that fits very well into Dixon. So some of the groundwork was all of a sudden was was the tipping point because major brands in different verticals chose collectively a new approach. So they took all the new kids on the block, uh, so to speak, uh, the central platform and the surrounding, um, and and that's been our you know. Definitely our tipping point and luck uh, in, in in getting into the ecosystem and being a platform in our own ecosystem and in, in their other ecosystems, right? Right. Yeah, it's a little bit of the notion of if, if we say it, it's bragging. But if, if big brands out there say that this works, then suddenly it's, it's the reality. Exactly. Well said. So if we're going to give some business opportunities to our listeners here, so what kind of partners are you looking for? Where is opportunities within the Dix ecosystems today? Yeah, very good question. So uh, there are many, but but first of all, I would say we still have a lot of uh, good stuff to do on the uh, on the e-commerce side. So there are many great e-commerce platforms out of the Nordics, out of Europe, not necessarily need to be a uh, Magento or Shopify. 
There are also many CDP platform, customer data platforms uh, out there that is used in different verticals, but also different geos. So definitely still e-commerce platforms, CDPs, um, but also analytics and dashboards on a, on a, on a very broad scale because it's, um, it's the way you visualize all the efficiency and, um, and, and, and the satisfaction, uh, the churn, the, the retention uh, from from our platform uh, that is a you know a whole industry as you know uh, right. with uh, with the bi tools you know and it doesn't have to get to be uh, tableau and, uh, and and power bi uh, and looker it can be uh, a lot of other great platforms so uh, i would say those three things e-commerce um analytics uh, bi uh, and then the, the the data core like the cdps right that's a uh, that's really, really where we see a lot of players um, uh, thriving these days as well. Clearly, you got the, the wheels in motion now that they're, they're spinning at, at full speed. And I was a little bit curious, can you talk and share with us how this platform play has affected your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I want to say, um, which is a learning, uh, I would say um, early on, claiming you were a platform as we did, um, maybe that was one of the things I would have done differently. So having a, a point solution in disguise um, and, and not talking about platform because it will uh, it will hit you uh, um, at some point, it will backfire and it, and it did. So just before we go into uh, how it has uh, affected our growth market, um, we went to TechCrunch Disrupt in London where we were a very small company. We were five people. We were, it was back in 2017 and claimed to be the new customer service platform to replace them all, you know, uh, and um, yeah, up against Sendisk and all the rest. So we did, we, uh, we actually uh, did really bad. <laughs> so we flunked the, the demo because the, the email didn't work. You know, we hacked it. Uh, we tried to hack the chat and then that worked actually. Telephony went Okay, so we had a lot of um, attention, but uh, no investors whatsoever. So the only way we uh, we got through uh, as a platform was actually with uh, with good old uh, guerrilla marketing uh, at the bars at night, and we put stickers around uh, around uh, the Dixa platform, and we had some Back to the Future theme and, and weird stuff. So. We succeeded uh, in in the end, um, and I remember I was being in London and being you know. Uh, running out of money, by the way, uh, being, being at uh, TechCrunch Disrupt and, uh, and, and and actually seeing that this platform uh, proposal and idea uh, was was really, really bad. So just saying we, we, we made it anyway. We got the seed round. We got investors, but mm-hmm. mostly because we were good at being at the bar and drinking <laughs> and, uh, and having stickers. Hey, that, that's a skill set as well. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. So be careful in the beginning. Uh, of, uh, of 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 shouting out too loud that you are a platform before or you 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 really are even though that's the vision you can tell that to the investors. So how has it um, affected our go to market uh, model? That's a, that's a great question. No doubt that we hoped earlier that this would kick in, but we have been lucky to have good to have really strong sales teams, have a lot of inbound interest around our product but also having a good footprint in our home market in Nordics, to be honest, and in UK, which is our second home market today, US becoming uh, bigger and bigger, uh, that said. Uh, so I would never, to be honest, bet my entire company on a platform strategy uh, or a platform play from a go-to-market perspective because you cannot control how quick um, uh, it will actually um, evolve for you. However, 
in the long term or midterm, you will need it to drive a scalable, sustainable SaaS company today. Uh, there's no way uh, you can you can get through it without being very open, being uh, very ecosystem focused. And sometimes in the beginning, you have to invest and invest and get nothing in return until you actually reach a point, the tipping point, as we talked about. Uh, and you have to be patient. For some, it takes three months. For all of us, it takes two years and maybe even more. Uh, but I, th I definitely think it is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our go-to-market model, uh, and especially as we are moving up in the market and we are moving into the US, um, where many, many cool brands, uh, like in Europe, will, will need different solutions, different integrations in different verticals. Do you feel, looking back at it in the beginning, because like you said, you were entering a solution of uh, a world of point solutions and now you have an offering that's going to replace all these point solutions with one was there a lot of educating the market because of the giants of zendesk they have to a certain extent set a standard and now you're saying like that's not the right way to do it here's a new way to do it prior to you being able to actually sell actually um not that much, less than we, we had uh, anticipated. So because we knew uh, the customers so well, so all the customer service directors, uh, many of them in the Nordics, we knew the pain um, uh, around being in the disconnected systems. And that was for eight out of 10 companies. Um, that back then, maybe nine out of 10 com companies. So it was more that it was almost for, too good to be true what we came with, saying, Yes, okay, these guys have said that for so many years. These guys have said it for 20 years. You know, this industry, uh, whether they are, we are talking about the call center kings or the ticketing masters or the messaging gurus, as we call the different three different um, industries, they've talked about Omnichannel for 10 years at least, maybe 20 years. I, I remember it from when I was 20 back in 2000. Um, so there's no doubt there was more showing through, of course, customers bringing aboard through. Um, demos and POCs that this is really true. It is one platform, one conversational customer friendship platform where all the channels are integrated, unified, and it's um, it's a holistic approach to, 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 to disrupting a customer service. So actually many of the vendors in the industry believe that this has been done very nicely by aforementioned vendors, but the real champions out there, the customer service manager agents, they know better than anyone that uh, that, that, that the problem is getting bigger and bigger and is existing. So we are actually a little bit surprised how dissatisfied they were with their point solutions. Um, of course, that said, there are still many companies, B2B tech brands, whereas Zendesk, for instance, is a great, uh, great auction. Um, but for consumer brands growing fast across many channels, um, leveraging data, need to retain customers and, and have this higher form of customer loyalty, which we call customer friendship, um, you need um, a unified platform approach sooner than later. Yeah, and I think over the past years here, we've seen some some big moves and, and some big acquisitions into the customer-friendly software solutions, if I may call them like that. I think Facebook picked up one of your colleagues in the industry for, for a nice chunk of money. So what does the future for Dixa hold? Where do we see you guys in the next 12 months or 24 months? Yes, great question. So um, we are definitely set out on, on a, an amazing 21. Uh, we believe that the world is a better place. We, we still believe that especially e-commerce and consumer uh, tech brands, they have a, uh, a great future ahead of them. Uh, so we will double down on Europe and we will move into the US. We are already setting up an office in New York. 
we are looking more and more into the ecosystem, I can say, um, from many perspectives. Um, plus, we're going to uh, definitely more than, than, than double our revenues and we're going to double, almost double our employees. So, um, doubling down Nordic, UK, Dark, Benelux, um, and of course, still being open for business for the rest of the world, and then uh, setting up our operations uh, in, in the East Coast. Um, so, that's that's more or less uh, the journey for, for, for us. And, and of course, a lot of exciting things coming uh, into the product platform. Great. It's going to be interesting to follow your journey, definitely. And uh, I wonder, is there anyone that you would recommend us to uh, try to get on the show? Yes, definitely. I've been thinking about that question. Um, and uh, what I would love to see, I'm not sure, I'm not sure you have had a fintech company uh, in the podcast yet. No, not yet. No. So I would suggest you um, inviting uh, Jeppe Rindum from, from Cleo. Uh, my 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 good colleague, and I know he was uh, runner up in the. They were runner up in the <laughs> in the competition, but I think he has a really exciting story. Also, how to get uh, U.S. funding, um, and and also seeing uh, tremendous growth. So, uh, yeah, we're good colleagues, uh, like the rest of uh, uh, many of the other Copenhagen-based um, startups and and the Nordic startups. So, I think uh, that could be an interesting uh, story. Okay, thank you. Great tip. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Mats. Interesting to hear about uh, your history, your approach to uh, to this sector with the customer friendship platform and conversational uh, customer support. And um, good luck in the future. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for the many good questions. And looking forward to, to following you. Um, and the podcast. Thank you. Best of success in the future now. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take care. Okay, Daniel, uh, what are your key learnings from this episode? I think, first of all, I, I really like uh, Matt's approach and Dixa's approach here. Very humble way in, in approaching a, a very tough industry. Impressive, the journey they've done so far. Um, listening to him throughout the podcast here I, I took away a couple of things uh, really the platform play is about build a platform API first however in the beginning make sure maybe you disguise it as a point solution so you solve something particularly then you go after the right type of customers that everybody else wants to work with and then the community will come to you and would like to build on top of your platform that's one of the, the, the key learnings and, and the messages I take away from, from the show today. How about you, Thomas? Well, one thing that struck me, I mean, having worked with CRM systems and similar, was how easy he described it to be able to see the sentiment for, from different conversations. I think that brings a lot of value when you're interacting with your customers. But another thing tied to the platform topic is that and he said that, I mean, the long-term goal is in the data and the business opportunities that lies there. And if you want to do that, you need to own the platform. And if you work with a platform strategy, that can also be a catalyst if you want to grow fast. And they are definitely doing that. So something they are doing right. <laughs> they're, they're doing a lot of things right. And I think it's going to be very exciting for, for year for them and for all of us to follow them and their continued development. And I hope that you are following us on LinkedIn and also that you have pressed follow in your Spotify client or Apple podcast client or whatever you use. And 
please tell other people about the show and uh, if you have an idea of anyone that you would like to see on the show or if you think that your company should be featured on the show please reach out to us on linkedin great take care bye bye bye